Welcome to the Soccer Doctors Podcast with Dr. Andy Harper and Dr. Craig Duncan. Hey everyone, it's uh, Soccer Doctors again. And here we are going with another Olympics episode where we discuss all things Olympics at the moment because it is that time. And here I am in Sydney and Harps is at his farm a little way out of Sydney. Far enough out of Sydney, isn't it, Hubs? Well, it is. It's far enough to be able to still sort of move around. Um, I love the way you do those intros. Do you do, do you put sort of like really nice whale slash elevator music on um, over the top of that intro when it when it's like this? Any any production stuff with this, or does it just go cold like just that? cold? We start with our nice introduction, but yeah. then we just go cold because yeah. we're we're no frills obviously by what you're wearing <laughs> I was, I was, yeah because that music right it's quite haunting the music I don't know like how long your playlist is and where how you've compiled it but um I was in a we, we had some friends over and, and my wife played the the start of the soccer doctors podcast which is the bit with you know with the whale music and uh mate I'm not joking what the, the friend of ours who was here she, her eyes just sort of came out like they were on stalks and her, her blood drained from her face and she started going into shock, like it was a weak, <laughs> rapid pulse. We're saying, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And she said, that music sounded like the birthing ward when I had my child. And it was all these... Oh. So, so, look at what you've done with that music. Should we, should we change it? I'm happy to change it because, look, I mean, we'll exchange changing it if she's another listener. <laughs> But I don't think there's a chance of being a listener not after that. And why would you? I mean, well, for every, every, I mean, you don't want to make light of it, but for every traumatic birth experience, there was a, a joyous one. So there's probably people out there who would hear the music you've picked and um, they might, they might, or they might not listen to the content that follows, but they've been transported to a, to a very happy time when, when a baby came out. Anyway, but that's way off tangent, but I, I did wonder at what point you slip in the whale music because it's um no it sort of stops when we start to talk but but you know what a joyous day it is today because i got a chance to watch uh our wonderful victory in the 400 meters freestyle and the women's yeah yeah i love so so we all own the 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 victories do we so we won the gold medal but if ariane titmus didn't she came second it would have been it was a brave swim by her no, the, the way I see it is every gold medal is ours because we're all on the human team. You know how I feel right. about that. All right. And what about the people who don't get the medals? Oh, I think it's wonderful that they're there doing their very best. Right. Okay. So do the Matildas then. Are they going to get a medal? I, I would suggest, um, what, what are we going to do? Are we going to be politically correct here and say the right thing or are we going to say what I actually think? So what you think? I think it's going to be difficult, uh, difficult for them. I mean, look, in any stretch of the imagination, it's been a difficult group. Uh, besides New Zealand, which they which they won, um, they were up against Sweden, who is a who is a wonderful team, and now they're up against the world champions that are a great team that trounced New Zealand five nil. I would expect uh, six one. It was a six one. Yeah, it's a five goal difference. That's what you meant. I know your yeah, maths yeah. is your maths is right if you recall of detail, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I just, I just, um, I knew that there was five goals in it. But I, I think, it, <laughs> I think it's going to be in, in, 
difficult for them. Uh, however, in saying that, like they had a real opportunity the other day, didn't they? They were they were up against Sweden. They they missed a penalty. Um, yeah. What did you think? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I don't, like they're vulnerable. The team's vulnerable, and and I've, I've really felt for Sam Kerr. I thought um, obviously there's a there's a, a significant albatross building on her ne- on her back about penalties. Um, and it wasn't a great penalty and it was saved and that sucked the air out of everything. So guess what? That's Audrey going again. Remember Audrey from the other day? Yeah. yeah great so there's yeah. Audrey. Now, now, there's always something about Audrey. You'll have to wait outside there, Audrey. She wants to come in for dinner. Gee, it looks beautiful out there. Can everyone see that? That's yeah. that's Australian countryside for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yes, I really felt for Sam. I thought there was some really... Out of that game itself, like Sweden is a good team, but Australia should, at the very least, be on their par. Um, so, Ivy Lewick, big fan of hers. She's been the shining light since Gustafsson took over, but unfortunately for her, she had an un, a, a, a poor game by her standards um, against Sweden. Um, and then, and Kai Simon was brilliant. And so there were these there were, there were there were these players who did well, players who who struggled. There was a moment in the game when I thought um, things were really starting to click. It was a passing moment, a, um, a fleeting moment, and it didn't materialise into anything. And then Sam had a penalty saved, uh, and then the oxygen went out of everything. Oh, Sweden Sweden's yeah. a team that Australia mightn't presume to beat every time, but. With, but we, we certainly should have been able to have their measure. And, and the point about this now is that I'm not sure if anyone else has done this, but I'm certainly looking at the Olympics into the World Cup as a parcel. The Olympics into, a, into an Australian-New Zealand-hosted 2023 World Cup, I'm looking at a parcel. And Gustafsson has backed a familiar group of players with not a lot of turnover in the squad. Certainly in the starting 11. Players who've known each other for years and played a lot together. I'm not seeing the fruit of that. Is that a problem for the coach? Put it this way it's a problem for the coach. It is it a coach generated problem or is it a player ability issue? Probably it's a blend of the two. But the fact of the matter is, these, these highly regarded Matildas with great careers um, are just not clicking with a couple of caveats. I think Kaya Simon's return to the team and her form has been outstanding. Um, Sam Kerr's goal poaching instincts, if she gets to service, remain um, unquestioned. And Ivy Lewick, as a 36-year-old professional footballer, late really to the international scene, apart from the, the, the Sweden game, has been outstanding. But I'm thinking, where's the growth in this team for 2023? If we're struggling to get out of this group, um, and it, as it remains now, let's hope against a very difficult opponent, match day three, they can get out of the group. How do we presume that this group of players is going to seriously be a favourite to win the World Cup on home soil, which is going to be the expectation of people? And so Gustafsson has, has not taken this opportunity through his considered wisdom to regenerate the squad, apart from a couple of players here and there, and, and what does he do from here if they don't get out of the group? Does he stick by that decision or does he go for radical surgery with the eye to 2023? 
Ups, I think you've got great questions. And I think it's it's time to really ask those questions. And look, this this podcast won't be published until after we know the outcome probably of, of that game, but we'll see. We might get it out before. But the thing is, I've got real questions. Now, let's be honest. Let's be completely honest. The Matildas, since Alan Stadjic left, and even at the time Alan Stadjic was leaving, have been... I would suggest a complete failure. I would say that. I think the World Cup, how that got smoothed over, I don't know. Uh, we were considered a real chance for that World Cup uh, when Stadjic was coach. And look, I'll, I'll put my hand up. Alan Stadjic, I've worked with him extensively and, uh, and I consider him a friend of mine. So I'm not here to um, promote Alan. But at that time, they were the glory moments of this team. Uh, before the 2019 World Cup, um, uh, Brazil 2000 and, uh, 2016, 2015 World Cup, you know, that's when they were growing under Stadjic, 2016 uh, Olympics, um, you know, we were one, we, one kick away, one penalty away from uh, securing a semi-final space. Ever since Stadjic has been uh, has departed, it's been a failure. I mean, how, I don't know how we got away with uh, smoothing over what happened at the World Cup. I mean, we barely uh, got out of the got out of the group, uh, and then and then got beaten. Our results since then have been been quite poor. Even qualifying for the Olympics, if we remember, we just beat a. I think it was a China that had been in the early stages of COVID, had, had spent uh, two weeks in, in their hotel in quarantine and hadn't had much time to train and we just beat them and then were able to qualify you know, easily against a Vietnam. And now we go into this, we, a 2-1 victory over New Zealand with a very poor build-up under the new coach. You know, We haven't had any results. Get a 2-1 victory over New Zealand, which the USA just beat 6-1. We lose to Sweden, convincingly in the end. I think we're, and, and what happens against the US is going to be very interesting if we do not get out of this group. And then what I see is I'm looking at this team going, how, how did this sort of happen? It's like back to the future. And I will agree, I think Kaya Simon's been the best player. So how do we get other players to go through a late stage metamorphosis, if I can put it that way, the way Kaya has. I mean, I said the other day, I'm, I'm so thrilled for her and I'm so thrilled to be able to watch her play like this and, and all of her fans will be just so tickled pink because I think most of us, I've certainly said the other day, I, I thought it was time. I couldn't see her coming back. Um, I agree. She's, come, she's but, come back so well. So age doesn't have to be the thing. But I'm I, look, I, I don't know, I'm not as... I don't think they're as far off maybe as you've suggested. I think the team's plateaued. I'm not arguing with your analysis about the results. I don't think they're that far away. It's the, the thing I find, the thing that irritates me is that I, I think there are only a couple of couple of younger players to give them a head of steam. Um, so far, I've liked the look of Mary Fowler. She's on the very young end of the spectrum. Um, but I'm waiting for Gustafsson. Actually, you know, this is why I believe we employ these coaches from overseas with this great experience. Firstly, to get the team going. Well, it's sort of coughing and spluttering at the moment. He might need a bit more time. I'm not going to ride in his parade. 
But we also want, we're hiring this experience, I would have thought, to have targeted some next generation players. So that by the time we're hosting this World Cup in 2023 with New Zealand, he's had an Olympic Games and an interim period to have brought two or three or whatever's necessary, but I'm thinking two or three of these next-gen players in to provide enormous grunt for that World Cup campaign. The team is lacking grunt. I don't like the way you're setting it up. I don't like the two midfield configuration. There's a massive hole between two, basically two holding midfielders with Tamika Buck, I'm, I'm guessing, with a licence to break forward, and, and the front three, a huge gap in there. And... And, and that's why they look better to me when Mary Fowler came on and started to play a bit. I, I'm going to keep banging on about Claire Wheeler until she gets a decent look. Kyra Cooney-Cross, they're, they're the three, if, if I'm going to be asked, at this point, two games into the Olympic Games of 2020 in Tokyo, slash 21, uh, two of the three are at the tournament. And those two, are, are, you know, I'm expecting Gustafsson to bring through in the next two years. And I'm expecting and hoping that Claire Wheeler is the third, excuse the pun, wheel in that. Um, once we refocus after the Olympics to that massive World Cup, I mean, what a tournament and what an opportunity. And um, team's got a bit of work to do, I think, at the moment. I think so. And you know what I find interesting? And uh, what has Lisa Devana done to people not to be in this team? Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a fair question. Like, can I ask that? You know, I know she's... Uh, I think a, a lot of the team, maybe she's not popular with maybe some of the team. I don't know. I don't know how much power the team has, but how can Lisa Devana not be there? I, 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 will, I will ask that question and keep asking that question why she is not there. And you're not telling me the explosiveness of her, even if it's off the bench. I, uh, you, you want someone to play for the badge and yeah. for, for us that's the that's the person yeah. and and she's not not there why because she i've never found her hard to manage but people might say she's hard to manage but you're telling me that we're playing a 36 year old in defense and we can't play lisa devana with her pedigree yeah. what is that what is that harps I, i'm going to ask you and put you on the spot is it because she only needs a couple more games and she's australia's greatest ever uh got our, the greatest number of caps has someone put a mark on that that that's not going to happen Mm, don't know. I wasn't aware of that stat. I, I'm not sure. I, I've enjoyed. I don't know. I don't know. She's a great character. I find her. I find her very engaging. You hear. I was at a night, a, a Sydney University football night, uh, and Lisa and Heather Garriock were two of the guests of honour. And, and watching the repartee between the two, telling stories of and about each other and about their Matilda's experiences, was really engaging i've never seen lisa in that sort of light before i don't presume to know lisa well i've just admired her from a distance and she's just been a hell of a player uh, I'd, I'd have to defer to you on her on how she is physically last w league season she looked pretty good to me she's fine she's an incredible athlete yeah. uh, she would get herself right there's someone someone has marked her card in my my view because mm. i'd like someone to come and tell me that she's not I mean, how? what's the squad? Squad of 18. And then I think there was three others chosen as well. And what she's not she's not good enough to be in all that. Mm, mm. I well, mean, the coach is going to live or die by that decision. At the moment, they're, they're just holding water, whether Lisa would have made this ultimate difference or not. But the coach, you know, you know well, I've said what I think about some of the exclusions and I, I haven't extended that to Lisa, but I'm not, um, I don't, 
I don't reject the assertion. I think she still certainly looks like she's got massive impact value, um, if not longer term value. But two games into this campaign, all goes on the line against the most powerful women's football team in history. Not this particular gathering, maybe, but certainly the US women's team is the most powerful female football organisation that we've seen. Um, losing against, you want to play them first. <laughs> you don't want to play them last. If they're going to slip, it's typically in the first match of a tournament. And they absolutely got hammered um, with that result against Sweden. The fallout in America uh, amongst the, the the football fans and the women's team fans just was bitter. And they weren't going to make that mistake again. And with progression through to the next knockout phase, on the line against Australia, I, I can't see them letting up. It's a really dangerous game for the Matildas. Yeah, and look, the Matildas can do it. I mean, they've got a lot of, I mean, you know, they've got a lot of fighting spirit in 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 their team, and they have a world superstar in Sam Kerr. We we know that, and uh, I mean, anything anything can happen, but they've got a, yeah, they they would have to be at their very very best. Yeah, well. Let's hope they go well in game three. Sam is an unbelievable leader. And I think some of those other players who've got a lot of caps now need to start in the front part of the field, start assuming some of that responsibility and pressure from Sam. You can't do it all. Um, she's too team focused to say, or probably even allow myself to feel that. But um, she needs better service and other really seasoned players need to start finding some good form and finding it pretty quick. What about um, what about the Oliroos, mate? Let's keep this one moving. Yeah, well, we, I think... We, I... We, might, we might have to eat humble pie by the time this all gets published and the Matildas have got through the USA in, in game three. In five. Ooh, I mean, look, I'd be, that I, I would be very happy to. And uh, I think the Oliroos are a much bigger chance. I, I think that all they need is a point. And I... I think with their defensive display last night against Spain and with Egypt, with what we've seen, who haven't scored a goal in the tournament as, as yet, correct? Or did they mm. score in the first? Yeah. No, no. I, I don't see them scoring against Australia. Mm. Mm. So, so I would think that Australia can go through to the, to, the, to the next round. They had that wonderful result against Argentina. And then <clears throat> they came back last night with... Uh, look, it's at the end of the day against a very strong Spanish team and a, and a one nil loss. I, I suppose I don't like to see when we say, um, you know, it was a, a, a courageous loss. A brave loss, yeah. 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 Um, that's a retro experience, isn't it? That's all, yeah. that's, we, we thought we were past that. No, and it was, you're right, it was on all, all those things. Look, we're not privy, <laughs> going directly to your expertise, we're not privy to the player data, right? Um, nor should we presume to be so. Spain changed five of their players from game one to game two with a three-day turnaround in very hot, humid conditions. Um, the Oliroos started as, as with the same team. Um, yeah. six, or, six or seven players on yellow cards, which emerged to cause trouble for us towards the end. Um, we have to assume that the sports, the, the coach, Graham Arnold and the sports science coaches and the strength and conditioning people were all very comfortable with the players recovery and ready to take on one of the best teams in the world. 
theoretically, without seeing the information, theoretically only, Craig, uh, um, look, from your purview as, a, as an expert in this, when that news comes through to you as an observer now, what's your reaction? I, I was surprised. Uh, however, they've got good sports science people there. They've got good, you know, I think, you know, I really think Australian sports science and sports medicine is the, is the best in the world uh, and preparation and recovery. I, I truly think we're, if not the best, one of the best in the world. And when we play teams like uh, Spain and Argentina and all those, I, I know 100%. I'm sorry <laughs> if this gets people upset. I know we're better prepared. I just know that. Um, just because our schooling and our education in that space is so superior. And having worked all around the world myself and working with other nations, I see it. I mean, it's, it's our area where we can have advantages. I think um, the coaching staff would have taken a considered gamble. I was surprised it was exactly the same team, not because of the, uh, maybe I, I think because of the seven yellows, um, and and maybe thinking, okay, this is very much our, you know, you've got to think about the depth of your bench and, and all those sort of stuff. Um, look, I think whatever decision they made, it would have been well thought out and well considered. Mm. And really a 1-0 a loss puts us in a tremendous situation where we all we need is a draw against the, you know, Egypt. Yeah. But I'm... You're right, but it's these it's the it's the coaching side of this that fascinates me. And and it's not about Graham Arnold, even though he's the coach, but it's not about him. It's about preparing teams and it's about right, how do you how do you manage this now? Because you've you've talked about shocking the world, which you succeeded in doing by beating Argentina 2-0. But it wasn't a, a it wasn't this this whole approach is not about the one shock result. This whole approach is about believing um, and visualizing for the players that we can actually finish in the top couple of the tournament, like win a medal, like go for gold. I mean, this is, this is, this is what they're saying. This is what we're believing. And that's terrific. How do you keep that going, Craig, in a coaching sense when you've just lost against Spain and it was a very narrow loss? It mightn't have been. And the fact of the matter is, you could barely get a touch of the ball and you were doing really well to keep them out. I mean, the defending was fantastic. Thomas Glover was really cool. He didn't have to stretch himself. So the Spain finishing, I think, was poor. Is that going to be enough to shock the world? Not in a one-off thing, but to win a medal. I mean, how, how, does, how does a coach now deal with the players who've been drinking from the Kool-Aid, and I say that respectfully and in the, in, the, you know, in, in the right way, and then you come up against that opponent who do that to you and players don't need being convinced or to, they know they were hanging on, they know they were being stretched to the bilio. How then do they refocus again into the we're going to be the best team in the tournament mode? Look, you know, if you're talking about that type of leadership and those words and that that rhetoric, I'm not a supporter of that. Um, I saw it in 2019 when I was on the opposite, um, you know, an opposite camp when I was with Iran and and I saw some of the press conferences and it was similar similar rhetoric from the Australian coach. 
and and I had people sort of saying to me, "What is up with what's going on there?" You know, it's not really the the talk. You know, this positive. There's obviously some some mindset behind it. Uh, you know, I see that they're not allowed. They weren't allowed to talk to the call it the opposition, Argentina. You know, they had to call them the opposition. I saw when they were playing in Kuwait, they weren't allowed to mention it was hot. So there's obviously a philosophy, and I applaud that. Um, I applaud when people have a, uh, a philosophy uh, that they stick to and that they're, they believe in what they're, what they're saying. It's not my view. Um, it's nearly like the Muhammad Ali model, isn't it? You know, and it doesn't, doesn't sort of, yeah, I, I don't know what you do when it doesn't go well. Um, but it seems to be like in 2019, they had a very poor Asian cup but then people sort of forget what was being said, you know, and then now, you know, at some of these press conferences, if we go back and look at them and you'd have a look at that, they were going to win the tournament and they were going to do this, but they got, they got knocked out in the quarterfinal um, after just scraping through on the round of 16, but it was sort of, you know, they got away effectively with that. No one questioned that they have shocked the world by beating Argentina. I, I just, I worry. I mean, uh, you know, and you, you mentioned drinking the Kool-Aid. I think, you know, sometimes when you're in a camp and that's how it is and you've got an aspirational uh, leader and a charismatic leader that you're either on board or you're not on board. And uh, if you if you are on board and all credit to the to the head coach, if he gets people on board and they're all with that, I, I think they would be going into this uh, positively. I think they would be thinking, wow, we've done a fantastic job. We've lost, <clears throat> we beat Argentina. We lost one nil to a team that I've seen it mentioned five, um, you know, five full Spanish national players and they only beat us one nil. I saw someone talking about that when Spain played Italy in the semifinal, um, um, you know, Spain had more chances on goal than they did against Italy you know, like, like that sort of stuff. I'm sure they'd be using that. And at the end of the day, all they need is a draw. In, in actual fact, if they don't get through now um, with only needing a draw against um, Egypt, you would think it's a real opportunity lost. I, I would think that they're a favourite to get to the draw. I mean, what's your thoughts? Yeah, well, it will be a massive opportunity lost because they've done so much hard work, as you yeah. say. They worked incredibly hard. The, the, the entire group, players, coaches, have worked incredibly hard to get themselves into this position. And, you know, a two or a three goal loss against Spain and the whole thing changes because of goal difference. So, um, you know, they just have fought incredibly well. They, they, you know, they need to, they need to be better with the ball if they're going to pro progress. But I think they've got the, 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 the commitment, the focus, the organisation down pretty well about trying to repel your opponents. So I couldn't be more impressed with a number of the performances. And, and I think, uh, I think Graham Arnold, I think structurally, you know, it, 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 the structure that he implores, and I mean, I think it, it has been positive and it's been tested over, over time. I mean, he has, has had success and, and, you know, people, I saw, you know, people criticizing saying, you know, 10 behind the ball, but you know what the modern game is, uh, you know, you defend and, and a lot of the time you do break quickly on a counter and, and, and that's how you, you do win games. That can be the modern game. Um, 
So, mm. you know, I don't, <clears throat> I would be very happy going into this final game knowing that you, you need a draw with the way the defence mm. is structured presently. Mm. Well, I, I, I agree with that. I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I'm just, in, in closing, I'm going to get back to the initial question I asked you, and that's about the freshness of the players. Um, because, I mean, I just admired just how well they covered the ground, but is it a function of better athletes? Is it a function of better players generally playing in a higher level competition? Or is it a function of just minus two, three percent of freshness that we were defending really well, not to labour the point. Um, and if we could intercept a pass or break down an attack, we didn't have a lot of activity in transition. Mm. We then couldn't link players who were breaking similarly into space. In fact, there were two or three occasions, and I've, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this to be critical because at all it's purely an observation, but. You're in the heat of that battle. You're working hard against a really good team. You manage to win the ball back. And rather than fall straight back into a pressurised situation by giving the ball back again, if we can just navigate our way out of here. But I'm looking at, I saw it in my eyes. This is my interpretation on multiple occasions. We'd made the interception or the tackle. There was a carry out of defence or a pass out of defence. Our player would get up and look for help. And everybody else in green and gold, the impression I got was take a breather. Thank God we got the ball away. You know, there was no freshness. It's the only word I can think of to spring into a new space and try and move the ball up the field. So Spain, as, as that style of football does, as soon as they lost it, it was Nathaniel Atkinson or Riley McGree or someone was just surrounded by four or five players. And the Australians were trying to take a breather, waiting for the next onslaught. Now, is that a fun? I mean, I'm going to leave that question hanging because everyone will have their opinion. Well, well, it's a function of possession. You know, if you don't have the ball, you you have to work more. Um, mm. It's a function of quality, mm. not being able to hold on to the ball when you've got it, and being able to change the tempo and 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 work with that that situation. Uh, so they're definitely issues. I think in this, you know, the five substitutions harps mm. is enormous, and that plays a a very big role in the modern game where there is five substitutions. Like I, I think if you use the five substitutions, like let's say that's half the team, you can substitute half the team. And that's why I'm not a fan of it because I think it takes away some of the physical um, components of the game because you can bring on five fresh players. However, I don't know as yet if coaches have embraced the importance and and the strategy behind those five substitutions. I'm not saying in our case or in this game, just in general. I think that's really important. Um, if you're asking me the question, I guarantee you, well, this is my belief, that we will be better prepared than Egypt on uh, yeah, yeah. in this coming game. I guarantee yeah. you that we will. We will yeah. perform physically better. Yeah, well, I, I, I hope you're right. You could well be right. You're I know I'm right. I know I'm right because I've got I, I've got full uh, confidence um, in in how they in the the sports medicine the sports science department um, and I just know I know yeah, that. That's fair enough. I mean, I'm prepared to accept that. I just want these final two observations from me, um, and then you can finish off if you need to. There was a moment last night. Uh, Denny Genre, who's been just working so hard in Australia's midfield breaking out of the penalty area 
intercepts the ball at, at full tilt, maximum effort, huge torque, manages to stretch in and beat one Spain defender. Then the ball bounces and Denny goes again and he toes it past a second Spain defender in his own half. Then he's got open pasture. Listeners who watch the game will, will be able to recall it or they can go and find it. And Denny carries the ball over halfway and he's got some support players up front, Mitch Duke, etc. and the Spain is left to their defence only because the midfield's bypassed. Then he gets to halfway and this is what I'm talking about, the freshness. It was like he just kicked it virtually straight back to the Spain defenders. Mm. His pass was wayward. It was rushed. He had so much time. And I'm thinking this is not a criticism of the player or, or a decision. This is an observation that at that moment, rather than putting pressure on Spain, we gave the ball up needlessly and we're back under pressure ourselves. Um, indeed, then Denny, in their exchange, got ran past and the hole he'd left and there was a chance on goal. And that's fresh. To me, I'm watching, that's freshness. Like he didn't have the juice left creatively, emotionally mm. or anything in that space to actually do something constructive with the ball. It was rushed and it was errant. The second point, and this is it from me, you can finish off. I've watched Egypt's games in preparation for game three. You don't qualify out of Africa unless you're a fantastic team. Point one. There are three African teams in the Olympics, Ivory Coast, South Africa and Egypt. It, we could easily be playing Cameroon or Ghana or Nigeria and people would be a lot more nervous of that, only because of the name of those three more famous, in our eyes, more famous football countries. So Egypt have earned the right to be there. That's danger point number one. Watching their first two games, they're very clearly to me decided, let's survive against Spain and Argentina. If we get a point terrific out of the two, which they managed after game one, and we put all the chips on beating Australia. Now the difference in the Egypt team, when they went behind against Argentina and had to try and force a result, get a goal, was stark. When they flicked the switch to play, because they needed to, they are a totally different proposition from a team that was very happy to respect their high-ranked opponents and defend with 10 men behind the ball and around their penalty area. Australia's going to be going to be playing the other Egypt in game three, which is the Egypt that needs to win. And it changes everything, really. Australia, I believe, will be, should be good enough to get through, but it's far from a done deal. Yes, and, and look, I... I, I totally respect your opinion and you're much more researched than me in, in respect to that. So I, I would agree with that. I think we'll actually benefit from, um, I think Diagostino could be interesting if he comes in for Duke because Duke is suspended. I think that could be a, could be a bonus. I mean, look, it's going to be a, a fascinating game. One thing that I will say to you about um, fatigue and this is what people miss out on a, a lot in respect to fatigue because we just think physiological. When you're under the pump so much like we were, the uh, psychological fatigue or cognitive fatigue is enormous and that cognitive fatigue translates into physiological fatigue. And what you mentioned with Dennis, uh, you, you can just think, that's is that physiological fatigue or is that just, you know, that chronic fatigue 
cognitive fatigue. And that's what I thought. I, 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 th I think so. Um, because <clears throat> I think from a physiological perspective, you know, football uh, has, a, has a long way to progress in actual fact. I, I think the human has not, uh, the, the human powers that we've seen in other sports, we have yet to see in football if we ever do, because maybe it's the nature of the athlete. Uh, I was saying to someone today, there's a difference if you were to define, you know, a, a, professional, a professional from an amateur, how do we define that? We normally define a professional from an amateur, particularly in sport. If we said to anyone playing in the A-League, are you a professional footballer? They would mark themselves down as a professional footballer but are they professional? Mm, mm. So, so you and I write, you've written more than me and you're a more professional writer. You, you, I would say I'm amateur as a writer because I don't have a professional attitude to writing. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think a lot of athletes, particularly football players, do not have a professional attitude. They're not pro in respect to how they prepare themselves. So why I say that is the, the, the people on the ground preparing these guys for the Olympics can only go so far in a, in a small situation. Some of these players I know in that team, I look at them and I think they're not, and knowing them and not to name names or anything, for me, they're far. The only thing that distincts, distinguishes them as being a professional football player is that they're paid to do it and they don't have another job. What I want to see is footballers have a professional attitude so they pre prepare themselves take ownership and more like what we see from an individual athlete uh you know because i see this and throughout my career i've seen this and you see the ones that are professional in how they prepare themselves the mm. tim cahills the Mille yednaks these sort of sort of people that okay take away that they're being paid take away they don't have another job they have a pro attitude. Mm, yeah, right. When's that going to change for that message mm. needs to change for our players? Because I'm looking so much at some of the younger generation of players. And I think you're in love with the professional nature of football, whatever that is. With but the idea of it, yeah. Are you a, are you a real pro? Mm, mm. What a night to end it on, hey? Mm. Um, we will reconvene. We'll yes. reconvene for the post-mortem on the third group games for the Matildas uh, and the Ollie Roos. And we've got a very special guest joining us next time, Grant Wall out of the USA. So um, we thought, seeing it's America versus Australia in that group, group three match, third group game, we'd get um, a colleague of ours on the line to have a chat in post-mortem. So that'll be next time. We look forward to it. Yeah, Thanks, that's exciting. Thanks, Harps. And see you all soon. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please contact us if you have any questions or feedback.